G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast sponsored by strike.com.au. Grab a phone cradle from strike.com.au. Use Green and Gold Rugby as your password or safe word or discount word. I'm not sure what that term is. And you'll get it and you'll get a 10% off. Um, joining me tonight, I've got Timsy, mate. How are you? Living the dream, mate. Living the dream. You are up there, aren't you? It's getting pretty warm. It's all, it's, winter's over, mate. It's all Brace been. yourself. Winter is over. There has been no winter as far as I'm concerned um, yes. down here. Um, although I'm pretty sure there has been out at Orange, uh, where Mr. Logues is coming from. Mr. Logan, how are you, mate? <laughs> mate, it's the same here. It's uh, it's 18 degrees. All the, the trees are flowering and, yeah, it's winter's done here. We're, uh, you know, global warming's hit. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not complaining, I've got to say. This winter's been unbelievable. I've actually got a, a suntan. Um, you know, before winter's ended. That's because you don't work. <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, that, that could be it. I'll see all these selfies of you on the ferry. <laughs> That's all I do. I just cruise around, taking a few selfies here and there. Um, right, let's get stuck in tonight. Uh, don't have a guest. Couldn't make anybody talk about rugby, um, or any Australian anyway, uh, post the last couple of weeks. Um, it's kind of... It's full morning at the moment, so we're just going to do about, you know, maybe half an hour tonight, and then maybe we'll try and get ourselves revved up uh, for a bit of uh, Safa bashing next week. Um, But we might as well start at the top, go straight to the game. Um, So, yeah, unfortunately, a familiar story when it comes to the scoreline. 27-16 to the Kiwis, two tries to one. Uh, it started brightly and then it faded pretty quick. Logues, what was your take on it, mate? Mate, I'm not sure how I'm coming through there, but my my take on it was just poor skills and poor defence, really. Mm. Um, and and I, there's a couple of things we'll talk about shortly. You know about the defensive shape particularly, but mm. uh, you know I think that's the sort of thing that wins Test matches, and that's where the Wallabies have some big issues. Mm. And and. What about you, Timsy? What, 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 was your, what was your gut reaction to it, mate? Oh, gut angry, but uh, I'm just sick and tired of losing to them. Um, but in reality, you, you know, you sit down afterwards, sober up a bit, and you start to think, you know, it's a, uh, you know, if we, we we let them score 37 percent less points or tries anyway than last time, so you know, you know, I'm playing the numbers a bit there. <laughs> is that, we, we is that a stat enough, that we're happy but... with? You've been trotting that one out at the pub. Well, if we can let, you know, if they score 37% less next time, then, you know, we'll be right. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's better, but it's not good enough. Uh, that being said, it's going to take time to do a bit of this work, you, you know, change things up a bit. Uh, not that we're seeing a whole lot of change, so, um, yeah, bracing myself for change. Mm. So we, I mean, we, we, it seemed to be a bit of a familiar story in that we kind of started brightly. Um, and for a while there, I mean, I, I think I tweeted in my last tweet of the night, because actually I, <laughs> I had to go out um, anyway, but um, was, you know, great intensity to start with. I hope we can k- keep this going for the 80 minutes. And we didn't. 
But it also seemed like it was another classic from the first test where we got hit on the bounce a couple of times um, with those tries in the first half. One of them coming, you know, just like a minute or two before half time, and that just seems to be such a a common pattern. Like you, you were talking about defence, do you think that's the key to why we're getting hit with these sucker tries? Yeah, I th- look personally. What I think it is is guys not not working hard enough and being focused enough and intense enough in those four or five defensive positions off off each side of the ruck. Mm. Um, we call it the wall. I don't know, you know what other people call it, but building that wall, you know, so that you force people to go to the outside and force teams to go to the outside. And we don't force the All Blacks to go to the outside. We allow them to go wide when they want to, um, but. They make a lot of their breaks, one or two off the ruck, mm. um, a la Luatua, you know. And what that means is guys from the left and the right of that break then have to flood into the gap like water going down a plug hole. Mm. And they come from wide, right? So then as soon as the All Blacks recycle a ball, then they go wide to where that guy used to be. So, you know, for instance, um, on that try, you'll notice that Mog misses Luatua and then it's O'Connor who makes the tackle. So O'Connor's been dragged in from the left wing to somewhere in the vicinity of the left-hand upright, you know, to make yeah. that tackle. And all of a sudden, then they go back out to where he used to be. So there's that problem. And then I think there's also a problem with the wingers seeming to want to come up flat a lot in defence. And I don't know if that's a conscious thing or if it's a, a lack of confidence in their own ability or the man inside, but they seem to want to get up flat on the guy inside them, which is just poor shape because you've only got to put one pass across the front and the guy outside takes two steps, he's immediately behind the winger and he's gone and everybody in the defensive line is out of play. Mm. And if you watch, if anyone watched Shoot Shield on the weekend, Sydney University versus Manly, um, the two tries that University scored towards the end of the game to, to put themselves in a position to win it, both exactly the same thing. The Manly winger came up flat, rushed up flat, they passed across the front of him, bang, gone down the sideline, and seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a disease going around. And it's a terrible, terrible, you know, terrible technique. The wingers really should be just tucking inside their second last man and and then jockeying out to the sideline. Mm. Yeah, I think it was one of the things. If I remember rightly, I think the Lions um, were kind of using a, a pattern like that, um, but also getting stranded with it, where they had that kind of defensive end coming up, coming up, um, sometimes played by the wing. If maybe it's a disease we've caught from there, who knows? Um, yeah. So then there's a couple of shockers. Also, there was a shocker there. I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Smith who came straight through the middle off set set um, piece? Um, I think it was in the first half. Uh, you know, just a, I think it was off a scrum, the All Blacks in our half. And, and, and literally, I mean, they had so many options. It was just like our midfield was Swiss cheese. Um, just very poor numbering up, it seemed to me. Yeah, I just think it's, it's there's a very small margin there to reset that line, you know. So it's not a case of just sort of being reasonably quick up and turned around and squaring up and moving up off your line, you've got to be very, very quick, very active, you know, very intense and very focused. And that that quarter of a second makes all the difference. And I just don't think we're, we're really making, doing that hard work in that, you know, to get reset in the wall and taking pride in that wall, you know. Mm. So, Timsey, looking at the other side of the equation, um, that's our defence, which I think we've just said <laughs> sucks. Um Looking at the other side of the equation, attack. What's your vibe, mate? What, what what are you thinking? You know, what are you seeing so far? Two 
two matches into the the Lynx tenure. Is this what you'd be were expecting to see? Yeah, not really. I probably expected to see a little bit more with uh, Jim McKay and Link. Well, Link got his man with Jim, so mm. you know, I thought, I thought they'd work something. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, it's uh, it's pretty bad that it takes an All Black to get the ball to Easy. I mm. mean, that that's pretty much this. The, <laughs> it's almost like we get white line fever, and mm. you know. It, get that close we start to pick and drive we're not sucking any guys in but we just keep doing it until eventually we turn the ball over yeah. and uh, yeah there, there's not a whole lot there not not a whole lot asking a lot of questions and the support plays bad mm. lazy lazy support options I mean I, I'm seeing Will Genia get a lot of sh- a lot of uh, shtick about being really slow to deliver the ball I think that generally if you look at that what's he got to deliver the ball to mm. and that, that usually answers that question mm. Logs, what what do you think, mate? What's your take on the attack so far? Um, look, I, I think Timsey's pretty much nailed it. I tend to agree with that. The thing about the attack that probably just I found annoying was you don't get many opportunities in Test rugby. You know, you probably only really get against a good side like the All Blacks, particularly. You probably only get three or four genuine line breaks per game to play off. You know, mm. um, so we had two: one from Leo Lefano and one from O'Connor. And both of those occasions, um, the ball was allowed to be killed and we didn't get any reward as the attacking side. Now, to be fair, I didn't watch the game from the All Blacks' perspective, so there might have been occasions where you know, they made a line and break too and they, and they weren't rewarded. But I just think, as a general philosophy, not particular, I'm certainly not saying that, that you know, the ref lost us the game or anything as drastic as that, because that's certainly not the case. We lost it ourselves. But... I just think the referees need to reward the attacking team. You know, the team that's playing the rugby must be rewarded. And, and a penalty 15 metres back or 20 metres back from the mark when you are attacking five metres out from the line, mm. that's not a reward. You know, a reward is um, a man off and, you know, a scrum feed five, five out or something along those lines. You know, mm. that's a reward. Yeah. I just don't think we're being rewarded for playing rugby. Well, let's get into that in a second because that's obviously been a massive talking point uh, that's come out of the game. The, the one thing before we move on from the attack, I, I, was, I was re-watching the game over the last couple of days, just pulling out some bits for some vid. Um, and the bit that struck me, and actually the New Zealand commentators, because the, the, the version I had was the, the Kiwi version, and you hear them a bit talking about this, they say, where is the counter-attack? I mean, I can't remember in the whole game a time when we counterattacked from a kick. And the Kiwis, yet again, were kicking it right down our throat. And I think they it did even more this week than last week. Um, and every time, now don't get me wrong, I think actually, and we'll talk about in player performances, Jesse Mogg. I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously got a potentially great... Uh, kick return um, and kicking game. Um, it can go awry as we've seen, but there was also a couple of kicking duels where he got the better of the All Blacks and Israel Dag, which I thought not many people could say. But the thing that you know you've got between him, James O'Connor, and Israel Dag, that's got to be one of a pretty good uh, you know counter attacking back three. Um, and they you didn't... might mean Israel Flair. What did I say? Israel Dag. Israel Dag. Oops. Israel Flair. Yeah. Between those three at, at, at our back. You've got to think that's one of the best counter-attacking back threes, or definitely that we could put out anyway. Um, and they didn't have one crack. So, and so you can only think that's not a, 
you know, that's not a lack of confidence or something. That's a game plan. They've been told... That's instruction. Yeah, don't don't get caught. I'm guessing because that's like don't invite a turnover which they're going to score off. But if you start doing that and then your set piece isn't going the way it should do, so the scrums were wonky at best and the line-out absolutely fell apart, um, especially when Ben Moen went off, yep. um, which was really disappointing considering how well it had done in the first week nine out of nine throws they took in the first week and i think you know i think we almost lost as many as we won uh this week um but you know when you've got nothing you don't have good solid set piece and you're not counter-attacking from you know you're not counter-attacking it's not leaving a lot is it um you know and, and then if, you, if you're not doing the basics well as well then you know it's, it's amazing that we even stayed in the game maybe maybe it's instruction because they're not ready for you know they haven't coached what they want them to do yet mm. but I agree that it's not the right thing but that's the only thing I can think of I mean the team's clearly not ready for it I forget who it was that made the break but Will Genia was with him and went into the ruck and there was no one there and All Black just walks over and picks up the ball because yeah. our support was so yeah. far behind so I mean if you start yeah. running from out, out the back there and we're all just standing around mm. then you're going to get a turnover that they are going to score off so it could just be a you know we're not ready just kick it I don't, know, I don't want to make blanket statements, you know, sort of random goes, but it, it does seem like all these things have a bit of a common root, which is the work off the ball. You know, the work off the ball in defence, they're not quite realigning quickly enough and hard enough, and then, you know, they don't seem to be tracking back hard enough to give the counter-attackers support, so they're not counter-attacking, and then... You know, there's there's not guys there when they when the halfback does get caught up in the ruck or whatever. You know, there seems to be a lot of work off the ball problem. Um, yeah, it, it, it showed you know? itself. It, it showed itself in the lack of support for any break that we made or any good work that was done. There was just no one there. There was no options for people to. You know, you, you've got a you've got a choice as a halfback of you know kicking, passing, or running. There's no one to pass to. So you know, there's no one moving and giving options. But it it was just a. A, I don't know, it, 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 they just look like they were having more fun. They just look like they cared more. Uh, yeah, you, you can talk about how poor the ref was and, until the cows come home, but the fact of the matter is we just didn't look like we were you know, there to play games. We were there to you know, just get through it. I'm, I'm, it, it you, know, you, you saw the way Aaron Smith was carrying on about everything, you know, and up, you know, amping everyone up and when stuff didn't go their way, even though they're ahead and they're winning the game, you know how upset he was with himself and, you know, what had happened. But that they just cared more. Mm. And that, that that's why we lost. Are we going to talk about the ref? <laughs> I feel you want can, to, can we Open yeah, the yeah, lid. Can I, can I Open. just throw something out there? Yeah. And, I, you know, I'll say to all the New Zealanders listening, you know, please don't start writing me letters and stuff like that because... It's really nothing to do with the All Blacks and everything to do with the referee himself. Um, that if that game was, say, um, a team versus South Africa in South Africa during a World Cup, say, mm. um, say a World Cup quarter or something like that, with that referee pulling that performance and it was in favour of South Africa, you know, um, if, if they got given 16 penalties if a side didn't get a try reviewed like the one that Moore had disallowed, if the um, South Africans were allowed to um, kill the ball like that in their own red zone and that sort of thing, people would be calling match-fixing on that. <laughs> so I'm taking but, you, you're pretty outraged, mate, by the performance. Oh, no, no, I'm not. 
I'm not outraged because I don't think it cost us the game. Had it been a sort of two-point game and they didn't review that try, I'd go, geez, but, you know, we're clearly outplayed. So I'm not, I'm not outraged in that sense. Fair. But I just – it really – it occurred to me during the game, I just went, you know what, this – in any other circumstance, particularly if it was uh, if South Africa was was benefiting from it, and it was in South Africa, I would think that this guy was on the take. Mm. That's that's yeah. how poor I thought it was. I, I think that the, you know he, his saving grace is that the best team won, so there's there's no issues with the result. The problem is if I put in that bad a performance at work, I'd be fucked over. Mm. And you know once we made this a professional game. Surely he's accountable for that bad a job. Mate, I've now got visions of people coming to your cubicle with like wrenches and pickaxe <laughs> handles, and, and 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 beating you, as you say, fucking you over. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a pretty rough place you work there. Yeah, I know, mate. There's there's cage fights for promotions and stuff like that. It's it's, it's brutal, but you know, it, may, uh, it makes you strong. You, you got to want it. Yeah. Um. No, definitely. So it was a. T- now, has anyone. I just assumed there was some rational explanation for that not going upstairs, for that Stephen Moore, what looked like a try, um, that someone was had found a, a clear knock on or he was playing some other advantage or something. No. Did anyone find no, anything? He thought, it, he thought it was better to go back 15 metres and give us a kick at goal than to have a look and see if that maybe was a try. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something right now. I hadn't quite got to where I was watching the game when that happened, so I haven't seen... I didn't see it live. My understanding of it, though, Mm. is that uh, it was worth a look, and he was in a position that obviously he thought he'd seen enough that it wasn't a try. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Well, he was in a pretty... He was in a pretty good spot. I mean, he was... He was probably stood. I don't know, legs. Was he like two, three meters away? So yeah, no, he was. I think he was on the wrong side, mm. but he, he certainly was very close. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, he he may have had a, a very clear view over the top of the ball, mm. but you know, when you look at some of the stuff that they refer um, yeah. these days, yeah. I, I just can't see any rationale for not referring that one. Mm. Um, but even that, I mean, I, I just the thing that outraged me most was not that, and uh, it was Kieran Reid after. After Smith didn't release the tackler, and then he played advantage, and then Kieran Reid went over and killed the ball. That that, I think that is a little bit of a pattern that's being allowed to creep into Test rugby generally, not just the All Blacks. But mm. yeah, uh, that that killing the ball on the advantage, um, I think, should be severely dealt with. Well, you know, so here's the thing: I don't think he actually saw what Kieran Reid did as a, as a as another. Um, as a re-penalty. I, I've watched that a few times now because, you know, I've, I've, I've actually got... I mean, what I've gotten sitting... Have in you front, seen where Reid is standing when the ball comes out? Oh, yeah, I mean, he's... He's, he's standing in the midline of the ruck. Yeah, no, he's, he's walked it's straight through, I know. Staggering. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean there, was, there was a lot that was pretty staggering. I mean, it's an interesting one. I've, I've actually put together in two video clips um, all of the penalties that happened in what we are commonly calling the red zone. And I, I'm just looking to put together a little post just so people can make up their own minds, you know, what they think. Um, because it's been very interesting to start... So, yeah. so going back to Reid, it, it was clear what he did, right? Well, actually, it's, it's. I don't think it's... I mean, I've watched that a couple of times in my instant... So I think it's more about whether he's hitting the halfback or not. Because actually, by that stage, there's a little bit that goes on where the ball, I think you could say, is out. 
um, right. and that he's popped through it. I think it's a timing thing. My gut feel is that yes, yeah, was. but see, these but, days but it's got to think... be very clearly out. And you you watch, they never call it out. They always give the benefit of the doubt to the to the side with the ball. And it's you know nine times out of ten, when a guy steps over and picks up the ball, he gets pinged for it. Mm. The only one that really got away with it was I think Retallick when he stepped around when there was no halfback and the ball was just sitting clearly, clearly out on the Australian yeah. side. That's the first one I've seen anyone get away with for about six months. Mm. No, all, all, all I'm saying is I'm not sure that paper was even going to – was ruling that as a penalty. I'm not saying that it wasn't necessarily. But ha- having – so having a look through – so there's a couple of things that I've sort of started looking at, and I put a shout-out on Twitter today, which was to say, has anyone got any guidelines about, um, you know, penalties in the red zone? And, you know, what, what, what our ref guide, because if you look at the laws, there is no mention of proximity to any line. So there's no such term in the IRB laws of, of red zone. They actually don't even mention if it's within the 22 or within the 10 meter or anything like that. It's simply, there's basically three categories you can fall into. It's either a, one particular player doing a repeated infringement, a team doing repeated of the same infringements or a player stopping what would have definitely been a try and that in which case you know you're you're, you're awarding um a penalty try um they're the only three choices that you've got um and the whole thing about red zone then so that's in the laws and we all know then you know that's what anyone can find on the irb website and then we know there are these things that float around which is kind of like you know ref guidances so you know so within those laws then how do you manage the game and there's none that i could that you can find from the irb that pertain to this there are some in australia um, that have been written for Australian referees to kind of help them with these things. Um, and actually, I've got them in front of me now. Um, so, and here's so repeated and deliberate infringements. A referee must warn a team through the captain about repeated infringements prior to taking yellow card action. Next point, repeated team infringements can be a number of different offences in a short period of time, a pattern of similar offences without a time limit. Um uh, regular offences close to the defending team's goal line or repeated infringements by an individual without a time limit. Um, and then it says deliberate infringements can result in a penalty kick and caution um, without any warning, depending on the cynical nature of the infringement. If a penalty try is awarded and offender can be identified, then either a caution, yellow card or send off, red card must follow. So this is the, the guidance that I... Sorry, can... I, just, I just dozed off there for a minute. Were yeah. you reading from the law book? <laughs> well, no, so this is, the, this is the ref management stuff, right? But none of this is in the IRB laws. And so I don't even know if this is what the international refs ref to. Um, but you'll notice there's nothing in there about... A, well, there's nothing in the IRB laws about a red zone. But anyway, look, coming back to the game... If, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was, uh, uh, you know, as usual on our website, as soon as somebody says, look, the, the, the uh, All Blacks were outrageous um, with their number of cynical, uh, you know, penalties in the red zone, um, then we had a bunch of people come back, say, oh, the Wallabies were just as outrageous. So I thought, look, what's the reality there? And I just kind of went through. And just to give you an idea of what penalties actually happened. So you had, um, f- from these are the penalties given away by the All Blacks. Um, at uh, five minutes uh, in, you've got offside at the ruck. This is where they get one of the Frank brothers. Um, uh, when we're on attack, you know, we've had that good series of play. Um, and uh, and, he, and he gives a penalty there. At 20 minutes in their, in their 22, you've got that deliberate knockdown. 
Um, and that's by the winger. I think that's by uh, Ben Smith. And then at 23 minutes, you've got the Aaron Smith non-release. And I think you would say that, you know, if he didn't get him, then he should have, uh, then, you know, then he should have got Reed. And that's it in the first half. And then it's not until the second half, 45th minute, that you've got Taylor off his feet in the 22. And then in the 55th minute, you've got McCaw not releasing, but he plays on from that, and then he gets Smith offside. Um, so you've kind of got two two spates of, of three penalties. Unfortunately, I think each of the you know each of those two series of three penalties, you've got different players and you've got different um, penalties. Am, am, am I convincing either of you guys? That no, I think there's 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 two problems there. Yeah. Um, one is you're going off the penalties that have been awarded and that mean, that means you're operating on the assumption that the referee was right and that he picked everything up, yeah. um, which is <laughs> not necessarily the case. The other thing is that when you just purely look at numbers of, of penalties and even if we assume that they are right, it doesn't give you any indication as to the magnitude of the opportunity and I would say if you look at the opportunity that the Wallabies had when Leo Lefano made his break, mm. that was a gold-plated, absolute blue-ribbon opportunity to score a try yeah. that, was, that, in my view, was killed off mm. and, not, and they got no reward for that. So I think when you look at that, like you could, you could look at that with your line of reasoning and say, oh, if that was the only one for the whole game and say, oh, well, the All Blacks only only really um, conceded one penalty in the red zone, therefore they're not too bad. Well, mm. they killed off the very best attacking opportunity Australia had. Yeah. That's the issue, I think. Because mm. um, as I said before, you don't get 15 opportunities in a test match against the All Blacks. You get three or yeah. four maybe. Yeah. So if they kill off two or three of those four, then... Yeah, yeah. And, and just to put that to bed, the other side of the argument which I had, which is people saying, oh, the Wallabies are just as bad. There are only, yeah, are, are there, they? That's really interesting because I never watch it from that point of view. Are they as bad? No, well, there was only three penalties um, in in the in what we've termed the red zone in the 22. Is that, is so, that under the same assumption <laughs> that the ref caught them all? Yeah, well, yeah, so, so, right. yeah, so look, I can only go by, and I think... From this perspective, you can. I mean, look, I'm not going to argue that he was picking up all the right stuff, but in the, the stuff good that news he did is, pick up, there were the only good news three. Is it's the same ref. So if he yeah. saw only three versus six, then yeah, exactly. so be. So we had one at ten, ten minutes in, which was um, the one where uh, he pings um, Tamua for not being on his feet. Um, and I actually, yeah, I thought that was. I watched that I again. That I actually borderline. thought that was harsh. Yeah, I did as well. It, yeah, and, and, I, I actually and it, thought he released and got to his feet. Yeah, and it was nowhere near the Smith. What Smith was doing anyway. Um, then he then he got uh, Moen for not releasing in the thirty fifth minute. Um, in a, in a ruck, and actually that's fair. Moen never released, and that's the, that's the classic penalty. Actually, Moen gives away when he wants to shut something down. And then seventy um, fourth minute, he gets. Um, Actually, not him. It's the, it's the touchy who calls uh, Hooper offside, and then I think they play on, and uh, there's Gill who's off his feet. But that's you know around the 74th minute. So you know there's there's only really sort of three instances where that happens versus I've got six. Um, I think there's a really there's a really interesting number at play here, and that is how many New Zealanders you have listening to this podcast, because I can guarantee by now there's none. <laughs> I don't think we had any to start. Don't worry about that. <laughs> all right, because I think they're all just you know, or you're about to get a letter bomb in the next week. <laughs> they probably the, 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 destroyed the their thing, iPod by now. So the right. one thing that's I'm right. countering that with is the fact that 
that's all we've got. We don't have a Bledisloe cup to drink beer out of. We've only got this. <laughs> the, the deep dive, the analysis, the, that's all we've got. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, here's another. Try this on for size. This is um, something I floated with the guys on the ABC doing the, the morning after, and I was, <laughs> I was um, searching for some sort of positive, and I was saying, actually, you know what? The only reason that we even really care about this and we get so hung up on it is because they're our next-door neighbours and there's a thing called the Bledisloe. Mm. No-one else in world rugby has any better success against the All Blacks than we do. Mm. But because we have this frigging thing called the Bledisloe and we play them three, four times every year, yeah. that's why we get hung up on it. But no, it's not like, not like everyone else is beating them and we're not. They're not supposed to be better than us at anything. It's like <laughs> Poms. We're supposed to beat them at everything. I mean, it's a really bad time. We've got nothing to cling to. We, we yeah. can't win at tennis. We can't win at freaking cricket. We can't yeah. win at... The, Mate, it's it's been, horrible. It's been a shock. I'm more worried about that. You know, I don't know. Like, at least the All Blacks are a good team. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'm losing to a team that is that exceptional. But if, geez, if we start losing to England, I'll be breaking out the razor blades in the warm no, bath. No, we don't lose to England. We don't lose to Scotland. All right. Well, look, okay, let's, move, <laughs> let, let, let's end Samoa. Let's or move, Samoa. Yeah, let's, move on yeah. from, let's move on for that. So I'll, I'll put some uh, uh, analysis and stuff I could find out for people. Make up your own mind what you thought. I'll tell you the other thing that I thought about doing. I'm not sure I'm going to find time to do it, but I would really like to do it. Is You know the number of times you see this, what I call the sleeping kiwi? So that's where they make the tackle, and they make a good ankle oh, tackle, and then yes. lie... Um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, perpendicular through the through the back of the ruck. Or instead of they're they're lying at the back of the ruck. They stretch the arms up, out. Yeah. They they're getting up mm. and they go right. Well, it, it's half a meter to the back to the line that way. But if I go this way, yeah, yeah. it's five meters, mm. and I get to walk through where that guy's about to pass that ball. Yeah. Well, it, it does. Oh, sir, I'm honestly on my way out. It does two things. There's two things it does. It stops. You you can't clear from the deck. So you you, get, you have to pick and clear, which gives your defence, which is already a yard offside, another couple of yards. And if you stand up, you can close off one whole side of the ruck. So, yeah. for example, if you don't want them to go down the short side, you just stand up on that side and, and they can't do a, a nice cutout pass. So it's a really, you know, it's a really clever little tactic. But I just want to know, am I imagining it? I want to know, is it just, is it just, and is it something that they, they're doing? And, and I just figured, actually, there's a really easy way you can do that is that to watch every breakdown and just count how many they do versus how many times the Wallabies do it. And then you do it as a ratio of how many breakdowns you've got and you know whether it's, you know, more or less. And it's just a case of yeah, good luck with that. finding the time I'll tell you to do what, it. Yes. I'll watch the last time we beat the All Blacks and yeah. I'll do that game and you can do this one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, somebody see if, said... See if there's been a trend. Maybe Someone said did. on the forum, I think, after the game... Um, there, you know, there was chat going on, and somebody said how they remember Gregan passing into the back of guys who were doing that. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, they used to think it was really, really pedantic, but now they sort of understand why he did it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably a good point. But I mean, surely all that takes is some is just lining up a runner to just run straight into that guy from behind. Mm. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, if you, if you show that there's clearly an obstruction there, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, but you know, so, you know, I think most of the times it's not they don't, you know, it's not necessarily somebody stand up. It's you know, just lying there on the ground, saying, "Hey, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm out, I'm out of the way. If I stand up now, I'm getting more in the way. What do you want me to do?" Um, and you see, guy like Craig Joubert fussing over him. Anyway, look, that's maybe maybe people will sponsor me to do that. There you go, <laughs> um, to sit down and go through that. Um, let's talk about quickly. Let's talk about maybe some performances. Um, another piece of analysis that I've done that I'm going to be releasing to the world, I hope, in the next day or two. Scott Fardy. Um, 
absolutely champ. I thought it was a good game. I looked at the stats and saw that he'd done like most tackles, um, he'd hit most rucks um, and most runs of any forward. Um, and then I watched it uh, kind of more forensically in slow-mo, cutting pieces of his stuff out. He had, I thought he had an absolute stormer of a game, um, uh, made some really great decisions. And for a guy in his first start at international level versus the All Blacks, he looked like he'd been there you know, a dozen times before. He looked totally relaxed and at home. That was my take on it. Um, how did you guys think he went? Oh, I agreed. I mean, I, I, I just think, and this is this no real science behind this, but you know how when you look at players, you just know in your gut that they should be there or they shouldn't, mm. you know? And for me, Mog, I just go, I just don't know. I just can't get excited about him at Bledisloe level, you know? He's great at super level. I just... Can't get excited about him at test level. And it's not to say he won't develop into a great fullback because plenty of them have. But mm. at the moment, I don't have that feeling. But Fardy, I did. I just looked at him and went, man, he's just, he's not intimidated. He's trying stuff that, that you know, he like when he put that grubber through, you know, that was just mm. a great instinctive decision. It was a good decision. He wasn't frightened to try it. And he, he executed it well. And it's not his core thing, but he did it anyway. And those sorts of little touches as long uh, on top of the hard work that he did. I just thought he looked really in the right place and mm. we, we just perhaps don't have enough of those guys at times. Yeah, the, the other bit he did, because, you know, Timsy, you and I will know from the podcast we did with him that I think he played a lot of centre when he was younger. And yeah. um, you saw that happen, a couple, like, with that grubber. And then there was a couple of times, like, he did a little kind of like a show and go on, on Nonu, I think, which actually worked at one stage when he was actually cleaning something up. Then there was another couple of times where... There was a ball, I think it was from a charge down, and um, uh, is it Luatua was actually just about to pick it up and, and you know, run to the line. And he just, and Fadi just managed to get his hand in the way and, and knock it out. You know, just little things like that. He was just always on the spot um, and in the right place. I just thought he had a fantastic one. Um, yeah. James right, O'Connor great. has got a lot of bad press. We've talked about him in not exactly a positive light, but I thought he looked pretty damn good on the weekend. Um, Timsey, what do you, you think? Yeah, he's got a bit of the uh, the Nonu factor about him, hasn't he? Mm. Does, does a good job for the country. Uh, can play really good, but no one wants him. <laughs> he, um, but he had to be our most dangerous back. Oh um, no, no, no! Hang on, let me rewind that. I don't know. I mean, obviously we got in the. You know, let's leave Izzy to one side. Well, but I was just outside say, of Izzy, he'd be the most dangerous well, back. Well, Je- Jesse Mogg was quite dangerous, but to us, <laughs> uh, no, that, that's rude. I'm sorry, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, because I know you listen, but um, you know, it's like. Uh, he yeah he, he actually looked like something could happen, uh, and there, there wasn't a lot of those players. Mm. Okay, anyone? So they're my two. Anyone else stand out to either of you guys that you want to raise? Thought had a good game or shocker? Oh look, I just I don't know. He had a particularly great game on the weekend, but there's enough touches there to say that Leo Lefano, You know, when he first got picked. Um, and broke his leg. I was terribly disappointed because I just thought, oh, my God, he might never play for the country again. And then he got picked and he knocked himself out. And I thought, wouldn't that be even just as bad if he only played one test? Mm. But I just think he's just going to be a long-term inside centre. He's just the the best combination of everything that we need in a 12 that we haven't had for ages, you know. Mm. We, we just haven't had it with Barnes. We didn't have it with O'Connor. We just haven't had it, you know, that combination of vision and wide pass and 
ability to slice through the line and goal kick and everything. Yeah. I just I just love having him there, and I think he's the base of a of a great backline if we can find a few more fardies up front. He's that he's he's got that natural. Once he sniffs that little half gap, he's gone, isn't he? he uh... Yeah, and he's a pretty big, strong guy. Like he's yeah. actually quite you know he's he seems to have bulked up a little a little bit in the last sort of eight to twelve months. And like you said, the goal kicking is an absolute bonus. I mean, it was is he missed one? Um, I think he's missed one. He missed his first goal yeah. in Test Rugby on the weekend. Yeah, but yeah, God, that yeah must be like like one out of eighteen or twenty or something. So he's mm. not he's not trucking too badly. Timsy, anyone stick out for you, mate? Um, well, I think we've pretty much covered them all. Sadly, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I love Vardy. I, I I honestly think he needs to stop shaving though. I, I love yeah. Know. Get that beard back. The beard makes it. Bring yeah, it it's back. The making of the man. But okay. um, you know that you know other than that. Yeah, okay. I think we've covered it all. So a few post-game talking points. Uh, I would one. just like to say the bench. I don't think they quite stood on. I'd like to see them come on and make a difference. <laughs> uh, you know, Thanks, Ewan. Yeah. Add something. Add something to the game. I just don't think they did. Yeah. That. This is the one thing I was going to say. I don't know if he wasn't possible. If he wasn't a bit harsh in that, because I read that and he, you know, he said, "Oh, the bench, da da da," you know, dropping balls, missing tackles, X, Y, and Z. I don't know if I'd go with that. I mean, I, you know, and I, th- I thought he was actually kind of, it was pointed a, maybe a bit towards Kuradrani, who did make a couple of howlers last week. I mean, he missed that ball that was kind of going behind him from Tamura, yeah, to I think his, it was. To the back or, of his or hip, from Leilo yeah. Fano. Um, I didn't think he made that many other shockers. I, I struggled to, I, I didn't see it, but, and I thought it was quite an interesting comment for someone, for Link to, to you know, for him to do that, because it's pretty pointed, isn't it, Logs? One, one it is of the pretty things... pointed, but yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think often coaches are not necessarily commenting on the game in the same way that we would take that comment. I, I personally think that's that's a very direct use of the media to have a crack at those guys and say, you got to up your game, mm. you know. Um, I, I think he's using the media there as a communication tool, not not actually commenting on the game to us, the fans. Mm. No, sure. Um, and, and, yeah. Sorry, Tim, I didn't cut you off. No, no, that's all right. I, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if they've got enough time to make a bit of a difference. Mm. The game was probably already gone. Mm. When they came on, what are they going to do? Mm. Uh, you, you want you, If you want the bench to make an impact, you've got to bring them on when there's still time for them to do something about it. Um, so the That's other... right. Listen, on that, oh, can yeah. I just argue, O'Connor should be a bench player. Right. I, I really think he should be a bench player. Um, I, I just think you would get more out of him coming on fresh. Like, you look at that break, that line break that he made, mm. um, that sort of that sort of ability to break the line against a tired defence, I just think that's his best value. And I'd be inclined to use up some other guys and then bring Cooper and O'Connor on with sort of... 35 30 to go mm. you know i think that's when that's when you get your best out of them like cooper's yeah. great at coming think, on he, he lifts the tempo he moves the ball around it just lifts a notch when he comes on but you don't want him starting mm. it's it's everything too like you, you you put a connor on the bench you start someone like nick cummins there all of a sudden you've got all of your chasing issues gone because he will run after everything so mm. you you know that if the ball's kicked, he'll be chasing it. Uh, if there's a someone making a half break, he'll be chasing it. That's it's what he does. Mm. So always, you know, you always need a bit of craziness too. I just yeah. think he, you know, we just need a couple of guys who've got it. We need another Sam Scott Young or 
Yeah, we need another lunatic out there. We're, <laughs> we're, we're just a good, honest team. We need a, need a couple of guys that are scary because they're mad. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so talking of mad, the other coach comment we had was from the other side, um, which was Shags Hansen. Um, which is it's very funny how he likes to jump the fence on this one. That the uh, Nonu shot, uh, the uh, shoulder charge that he did, you know, saying, "Look, guys, this isn't tit tit tiddlywinks." Um, you know, there was nothing in it. Um, I, you know, I seem to be able to remember him, you know, endlessly bitching about it when the shoes on the other foot. Is, is this is this does this guy ever stop taking the pit, taking the pus? God, he does a good job with the media though. Mm. They love it. Yeah. He knows how to feed the beast, doesn't he? Yeah, um, absolutely. A, a absolute meister. Um, and then finally, talking of the media, I think you, Logs, you said you picked up a interesting article. Was it today from Mark Reason? Yeah, it, it, it's another one from Mark Reason. I don't. He must be a bit of a masochist because he's an English journalist, English rugby journalist. That uh, and some people would would put journalist in inverted commas, um, particularly Kiwis because. They, they don't like him at all. <laughs> For some he's reason, the, he emig- he's the ultimate troll. He gets paid to troll people. Exactly. In but he lives there. He moved yeah, yeah. there. So I don't know. Like his house must get, you know, <laughs> must, the roof must get rocked about twice a week. Um, but he was basically just saying that, um, and, and to quote, it was a poor performance over fatally flawed opposition, aided and abetted by a South African referees, clearly not yet come to the terms of principle of equality. Basically, he was just saying that the All Blacks are a lot worse than anyone will say out loud. And so he said a lot of it out loud, um, particularly having a go at Tom Taylor, um, Richie McCaw, Ma Nonu. Um, so he picked out three or four guys and just said, you know, really, they're just not as good as what everyone is saying they are. But, you know, that goes back to our conversation before we went on here, saying, um, you know, as I said, everyone says, oh, yeah, the All Blacks are beatable, but no one's actually beating them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's a funny one. And I think there's a kernel of truth in what he says, that that the New Zealand rugby public, the New Zealand media and the New Zealand coaching staff all have a very big vested interest in keeping the hype and the myth going. Yeah, um, but he said you've got to be honest and and say when they don't play so well. Um, and he reckons they didn't. I, I'm, I think there's, as I say, a kernel of truth in some of it, but I probably wouldn't go as far as he did. Well, I, I'll tell you something I saw. So um, someone forwarded on to me a email, which allegedly was a response that um, Yako Piper gave through LinkedIn to. A just a random guy who said, "Look, I'm a ref. Da da da. Interested in your interpretation. Da 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 da." And he gets this email back from Yako Piper, which, to paraphrase, says, um, "Interesting. You should ask these questions because it was, you know, it's basically saying, you know, how did you not end up? How did you watch it so badly? Yeah. How, how, how did you not yellow card a kiwi, basically?" And he comes back saying, interesting you should say that because I'm in a meeting right now in, in my match review and what I'm being asked by the by the Kiwi management is why there wasn't a yellow card to, for Australia's repeated infringements considering there were 16 penalties and no yellow card. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I, to, to your point, I think one of the reasons why that aura is so important to them is that's how they get away with shit like that. Um, which is to say, how dare anybody be penalised so much against us? Um, you know, the same thing that happened with Stu Dickinson with the, you know, with uh, Scrum Gate. Um, you know, people apologising mm. if the if the ref doesn't get it right. I mean, I think it, that all feeds that machine. I think the bit I tell you the other the media narrative that gave me the shits this week actually was then 
suddenly Kiwi press going, yeah, they've got the wrong coach. Um, and, you know, and subtext being, you know, you, you shouldn't have an Aussie, um, you know, it should be, you know, uh, it, it should be white because um, yeah, the these two losses. That, that, the, the article that you're referring to there, who wrote that? Uh, I can't remember, actually. Sorry, the one I'm talking about? No, 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 no. The oh. one that, uh, that Matt's talking about, because I read that yeah. and I think it's written by a knob. I don't think that's written by a real person because, okay. because he's written quite a few howlers. You think of Mark Reason being the ultimate Kiwi trial. He's, this guy's just an idiot. Is that, is that Ratui? Is that no, I think it might be, yeah. Uh, right. Chris right, yeah. Ratui or something? Chris yeah. Ratui, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we're legally... Jeez, I'll tell you what, he must, be, he must be bad if he's worse than Reason because I reckon if you went to a party with Reason in New Zealand, he'd be standing on the corner like the guy with dog shit on his shoe. Like, there'd be just no one talking to him. He'd be lucky not to get punched in the face. Yeah. Anyway, look, I think we've done this uh, this one to death, unfortunately. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll come back with more... <laughs> I positive. think we have. We'll come back with more positive next week, guys, um, and uh, get ourselves ramped up to take on the Sappers because that is going to be an important game. Uh, world ranking-wise, um, you know, what do we... We slipped to fourth now, I think, haven't we? Fourth is the new first, I think. <laughs> yeah. Behind well, you want to know what else? We're actually fourth in the rugby championship table. Now, that is that is scary in itself when you consider that Argentina gave up 70 points in their first test Jesus and we are still behind them on oh four and against. Oh, uh, oh no, no, they, they, they got a bonus point. Yeah, it's the bonus oh, point. Oh, sorry, yeah, it's the yeah, bonus yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, Sorry, Nate, no, right. Yeah, it's the bonus point that, that got them there. All right, look. Well, we haven't got a bonus point. No. We've got... No, we got um, right, so to finish off, we got a, a quick rant, something closer to home, Timsey. There's a bit of a story that's that, well, that, that's brewed here, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say it's a rant, but I've, I've been spoken to or pointed out by a couple mm. of Jeeps people, which is a, a GPS uh, rugby club in Brisbane. Mm. Uh, they've got a, I think they're called major preliminary final or something up against East this weekend mm-hmm. uh, for a spot in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a couple of injuries, but the, the, the guy I spoke to in the club said, um, you know, that they'll, they'll probably be okay. But they've been trying to get dispensation for Bryce Hegarty of the Rebels to play in the team with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce is a, grew up in Ashgrove, uh, went to Morris Brothers there, just down the road from you know the, the Jeeps clubhouse, to to the best of my knowledge, never played with Jeeps. Uh, I may be wrong about that, mm. but um, has has a history in the area and obviously played a couple of games with the Rebels. Um, is looking for a game and you know is is probably pretty good cover for them to you know, get it get out of their injury issues. Mm. The uh, the QAU has said no. Right, doesn't have a. A good enough association with the with the club. Mm-hmm. I spoke to a couple of the guys, and they weren't able to get someone to to come on and talk about it tonight. But mm-hmm. to, to me, to my opinion, and and I could be wrong because I don't, I don't know all of the details, but that's what I know so far. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, I, I don't blame the QIU for for knocking that back. I think that's probably fair enough. And and the spirit of the rule that's knocked them back is the fact that we don't want, you know, the last couple of teams to get to the finals and then all of a sudden be stacked from everyone from around the country who just came for a game and, you know, super teams, you know, as a as a budding young fly half myself, if I've slaved away for the whole uh whole season and gotten the team to that place, I don't want to miss out on the game just because, you know, there's some guy better than me that can play. Yeah. The issue I have with it is, and I've spoken to a couple of other players, 
we've we've got this middle middle area where the the, the, the super players that aren't wallabies mm. and the, the 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 sort of higher club people they get to this point where they don't have any play. They've got no games on. Mm. Yeah, they've got six months mm. or so between games. Yep. And and I mean, we've been talking tonight about moaning the, about the uh, the lack of you know instinct and the the you know gamesmanship and the ability to you know do, do these things and the enthusiasm that we just don't have. Oh, I just think it's because we don't play enough rugby. Mm. And you know that this is where we need our NPC or we need our Curry Cup. Yeah, because basically what you're saying is these guys now, yeah, when they went CBC competition you know, till like February or if they're lucky, if they're playing super rugby. That's right. If they're playing super rugby. So if they're a fringe, fringe super player, they might not, they might not get a game for a year. Yeah. Wow. No, it's, it's, it's pretty shocking. I mean, you get to a point where we've, we've got these people through club games and we've gotten them to the cusp Hmm. and then they've got nothing. Well, that's where you've got like Bo's gone off to play some ITM, hasn't he? Yeah, and good mm. on him for getting you know getting mm. the opportunity to do that. Good on you know Bay of Plenty. There's a fewer players over there, and you know, other than that though, what was he going to do? Yeah. No. Well, this is where see this is where rugby really needs another sort of mini revolution. And there's a lot of talk about the third tier, but if you look at rugby league and you go back to um, you know when the the tumultuous time when all of the mergers were taking place, you know when when um, the Dragons and Illawarra came together, when Wests and Balmain came together, when the Norths Norths disappeared um, after a brief flirtation with Manly, you know, the the ill-fated Northern Eagles and all that sort of thing. But that... Was the that was that led to the birth of the NRL as we now know it, and that was the evolution of the of rugby league from being a largely Sydney-based comp to being a national comp, you know, truly national competition, um, and that's what's going to have to happen in rugby. And if you you know, on the weekend I was um, following the Sydney Uni Manly game quite closely, and I was struck by how much venom and genuine hatred there is out there for Sydney University um, <laughs> because they have so, – everyone just feels that they just have an unreasonable number of of um, of players at, at a high level. And, I, you know, I'm a university supporter. I, I played a bit of very poor rugby for Sydney University um, in the low grades. But, you know, I've been a uni supporter for a long, long time um, and I'm always struck by how much people hate the club, particularly when you say you are. Mm. Um but the only way that that's really going to change is not to tear down Sydney University, but to give other clubs uh, an opportunity to compete at a higher level and create a national comp, which will have the effect of then the players saying, all right, well, I've got, you know, seven or eight great options of playing high-level rugby rather than all piling into a place where, you know, there's, there's several advantages on offer you know, a great program and great facilities and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and I think that's that's what that's what rugby needs. It needs an NRL-type revolution and be very painful for certain clubs, but it's that's, I think, the way it's going to have to go. Mm. All righty. Um, so I think uh, we're all pretty agreed that uh, there's something needs to change there, and I think there's a bunch of people... They are slaving away. It just doesn't feel like we're getting any closer. And then we have these Super B things appear and disappear. Um, hopefully, we can get something tied tied up. But um, yep. I, I think that's it for the week otherwise. Thanks, boys, for joining. 
thanks for the time. Pleasure. Thanks, thanks people, for downloading or streaming or, or whatever else you do. Any questions, if you want to come on, if you've got a rant, something to get off your chest, just get in touch with us. Always good to hear from people. Um, otherwise, we will look to be back next week, hopefully um, with a guest back for you guys, uh, and um, we'll be leading up to that uh, Springbok test. So uh, otherwise, um, have a good week. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Seven left. Seven left.